Welcome to Life, Love, and Lessons, a safe space where we do all things with love and opulence. This podcast is for men and women of all ethnicities, experiences, opinions, life paths, and professional or rough backgrounds who are somehow involved in the space of dating or relationships, whether it's online or in person, or simply interested in love, spirituality, living the good life, learning, or just here to be inspired, entertained, intrigued, or in tune with life's personal pleasures. Listen intently, open your mind, and vibe. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Life, Love, and Lessons. I'm your host, Alante Anise, and today's topic is one that I think we're going to hear a lot about in the Love Series. And I couple expectations and standards together because in my life, many people have told me that my expectations were too high. When in reality, in my opinion, I think they were referring to my standards. Either way, I think it's fair to talk about the two, both high standards and high expectations, whether people meet them or don't. Um, And also, I want to apologize to y'all. The episodes I feel like have been getting longer because I've been freestyling and Um, I like conversation and when I get into it, I get into it. So again, I apologize. It may be taking you longer to get through these. Um, Bear with me. Um, So, okay, expectations. I expect that throughout this podcast journey of mine, my loyal listeners and myself not only expected my episodes to be about 45 minutes or less, but also expected me to be interviewing people by now. And to have started the love series. Well, we're all equally bummed, if at all. And to be honest, I let myself down. Not because I haven't launched a love series yet or started interviewing people, but because I pride myself on being a woman of my word, doing what I said I was going to do when I said I was going to do it. So it was hard for me not to deliver until I got real with myself and uncovered the why not. Quite frankly, (laughs) I'm not 23-year-old Alante anymore, unfortunately, but still, I used to be able to do it all and exhaust my tank of energy for others to no end, especially as a true gift of mine, as a gift, as a giver and um, a people pleaser, naturally. And now there's been a shift. After much genuine apologizing to undeserving souls and taking the backseat to spare hurting people's feelings and consistently lifting others up who wouldn't pay a penny to lift me, I finally walked into the space of doing what's best for me. So naturally, I pondered the choice beforehand, the expectations of me versus the standards that are set forth, the ones that I'm known to sit with, and which one am I willing to throw away? The expectations. Because I can interview someone while I'm in this isolated space of nourishing myself and deliver a not so quality conversation just to meet the expectations of myself and my audience. Or I can let those expectations go and stick to the standards of my being and deliver an apology, an explanation and another solo episode that doesn't hurt anybody and just keep moving forward. 
So, of course, I opted for deliver the apology instead of a half-done episode. And no disappointments were counted. In the grand scheme of things, that mishap is what I call a petty care or a frustration. And life has also taught me not to worry about those petty cares or frustrations because God. Everything is happening as it should. So I didn't deliver the love series when it was supposed to be delivered or when it was expected or advertised. And I continued to wonder if I'm not meeting my own expectations sometimes. Will my audience forgive me for not meeting their expectations? Why do I expect others to act a certain way or meet a specific standard of being or certain expectations? And where did I get my expectations and standards from to begin with? Because again, I'm a deep thinker, right? So it's typically not just surface level. Like, oh, messed up. (laughs) Didn't meet expectations moving on. It's kind of like, oh, messed up. Didn't meet expectations moving on. What are my expectations? Why are these my expectations? Where did they come from? (laughs) So in me pondering and questioning myself on these things, um, I came up with a few different things. And so allow me to entertain you for a second. If you believe that the social content we digest as children and teenagers have an impact on who we become as adults based on what social content we, we attach to the most or identify most with, we might mimic similar behaviors or characteristics we witness in our favorite TV or movie scenes or what we listen to or watch unfold in our households or in the households of the ones we got to visit. Whether we enjoyed it or not, We learned some things from our childhood cinema nights, top hits on the radio, VH1, MTV, and BET. Not to forget the music that our parents or caregivers played. And let's not forget Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon mornings. We digested a lot of things in terms of picking up different themes, different behavior styles and characteristics and qualities and Whatever your favorite TV shows or movies were, and I think you may have taken some things away from that. So I'm I'm challenging you to get honest with yourself and find out, or maybe you already know, and it's interesting to have these type of conversations. What shows impacted you the most? What movies or music helped mold you into who you are? And I'll explain by sharing the ones that molded me, because truth be told, The movies and shows were always so full of lessons to me. And to me, they were to be adopted into my adult life. So I paid close attention to not just my immediate surroundings, my family and friends, but also the things that I was watching and listening to. So someone asked me why I valued a certain friendship so much if the friend was clearly not good or healthy for me. Why was I so stuck on holding on to it? Someone asked me why I ended romantic relationships with men that I love and how I was able to maintain a friendship with them after the relationship ended. Someone asked me why I don't give certain men a chance. Why didn't the good guys make the cut? Why do they get friend zoned? Someone asked me how I was always so professional and able to hold it together at work when I might clearly be being discriminated against or knowing someone is out to get me and how do I continue to just smile and greet them like they did nothing wrong. The answer to all of these is 
the cloth that I was cut from touches your soul a bit different. Compared to people who lo- whose love is conditional, wavering, or like liquids that evaporate when air, fire, or earth intensifies, I will not. I was born loyal and full of love. I had to learn how to forgive, had to learn how to understand, how to give grace, how to listen, how to apologize, how to accept that as perfect as I might strive to be, I am not. And I had to learn how to reach this standard that I expect people to meet, the standard that I aspire to be and develop the strength to stay up here with all this confidence, love, beauty, health, diligence, detail, grace, style, luxury. However, I choose to describe myself or the life that I live or what I expect from people, I deserve it. And I'm waiting patiently for somebody to meet me up here with the same or similar standards who too can deliver and go from there. So let's get to these questions that I was asked and how would I really answer them or why or how how am I able to do these things like hold on to friendships that probably should not be held on to or maintain friendships with men who didn't work things out romantically with me or smile to my coworkers who clearly hate me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how? So when I was about eight or nine years old, my granddad was talking to me in the corner. Well, he was walking me to the corner store. And he, like, demanded me to walk in front of him instead of behind him and stay away from the curb. He told me that a man stands near the street and that was his job to protect me. So he needed to keep his eyes on me. And if I wasn't going to be by his side away from the curb, then I had to be in his front away from the curb so that he could see me. And, you know, I was eight or nine years old and I'm like, okay, granddad, cool. You know, and I was on my way to the corner store to get my hot fries and my Tahitian treat. And it was a good day. However, I never told anyone this part before, but I'm telling you now. That day when me and my grandpa got home, he took a nap and he never woke up. And that was my last memory with my granddad. And I feel like that last thing that he taught me, you know, um, before he took his last breaths was like, you make sure (laughs) That a man makes you feel safe, that he protects you, that he got your back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just took so much from that. And granddaddy was tired. And even as tired as he was, he did not stop being selfless, didn't stop protecting, loving, caring. And I was like, at eight or nine years old, like, I don't even think I was sad. Well, I ain't gonna say I wasn't sad. I wasn't like, so hurt or distraught or angry or anything like that. I've never been that type of person, but I do remember just being grateful for that last moment, those last moments with my granddad and just that he taught me that right before he left. And I and I was like, I'm going to hold on to that forever. So for some reason, I expected all men to be protective like that and to be selfless like that. I was walking down the street one guy, one day with this guy. He was my (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Long story. But anyways, 
he let me walk near the curb while he walked on the safer um, while he walked on the safer side near the businesses and everything. And I asked him if he knew the standard of walking on the sidewalk with a woman on the busy street. And he had no idea what I was talking about. This is life, love, and lessons. It's about releasing your expectations, not giving space to disappointment, and simply engaging with others to learn, to teach, to understand, and to love. When I explained the standard to this 35-year-old man, He quickly switched places with me, apologized for his lack of knowledge in this area, and pondered how many times he shared that same exact experience with the woman, and the friendship or situation didn't last much longer after that. Sometimes people don't know the standard, or they've never been held to a certain standard or expected to behave a certain way, and we get mad at them for not knowing or not delivering. First, we must communicate, then listen, then understand, and decide together what's best moving forward. I can say so many things about expectations and how hard it was for me to release my expectations, but I think I'm going to save that just for time. But shout out to Netflix, um, because I I just feel like Netflix has really brought me back to my surface, to my core, you know, making my favorite shows and movies available. And it kind of inspired this episode. So let's talk about friendship. In the movie Set It Off, there were three really big lessons for me in love and friendship. First, we watched Chi-Chi leave the bank on the first robbery. And we watched Frankie deny her cut from the profit. She didn't do nothing, so she ain't getting nothing, right? And then we watched Stoney tell her, Frankie, you need to check yourself, flat out. She need that money. And we watched Frankie come full circle and admit that she was harboring some ill feelings. And it had nothing to do with TT, but she was projecting that anger onto TT and she apologized and they moved forward as friends do. That was love. That was friendship. That was a really tough situation. And we watched them overcome that hurdle as friends, right? With love. We watched Cleo hold a gun to Stoney's head and and we see Stoney slap her and threaten her with a broken bottle. And we see their love and friendship being tested as they attempt to cut each other off after being friends for as long as they could remember And they tried to be hard, both of them, until the love wouldn't allow them to be petty anymore. And they forgave each other and moved forward. We see Stoney fall in love with Blair Underwood and all the while hiding the details of her criminal life in this really good man. And then at the end, we see her leave him and let him go respectfully. And on that last phone call, he smiles and says, I'm glad you're safe. Not, how could you keep that from me? You lied. You criminal. You put me at harm's risk. I'm turning you in or nothing like that. Just pure, unconditional love and friendship. Like, I'm just so glad you're safe. Like, the smile, the way that he was looking, you could just tell that nothing else mattered because there was just love and friendship right there. 
Right. And so those were like these moments to me that really stood out to me in terms of love and friendship and how I was taking things away. As a teenager, watching that for the first time, I remember thinking, I can't wait to be all grown up with my childhood friends and be doing life together. And, you know, um, also that it was nothing that these friends, these childhood friends of mine could do to, to make me not love them or to make me end our friendship. Unless it was something like criminal or like really, really bad that I knew they would never do. There was nothing that they could do to make me end our friendship because it was a real thing to me. It was a real love. And what is it they say? Nothing real can be threatened, you know, or um, if the friendship ended, was it ever really a friendship to begin with kind of thing? Like, you know, like I was not into no friendships. I don't care what happened, (laughs) you know? So that was just me, the loyalty in me um, and just who who I was. That's why I can't let or it's not that I can't let why I like don't want to let friendships go. It's just it's not natural to me to let friendships go. It's more natural to hold on. And so I'm, you know, just being loyal was part of my thread. And Moesha. Moesha. We see Moesha get jealous of Kim when she made the cheerleading squad. And Moesha started acting different and even went so far as to intentionally call her best friend fat and withdrew her support for her friend. And we watch Hakeem tell her to check herself. And we see Moesha go back and apologize and realize that she wasn't being a good friend. And she accepted ownership and Kim had never stopped loving her or wanting to be her friend. And when Kim invited, I think his name was Uhaji or Ohaji to the party and dance with him. Moesha didn't get mad at Kim or stop talking to her or disown her after Ohaji had dogged her. Even though it was Moesha's party and she didn't invite Ohaji and Kim being Kim was like, oh girl, I saw him riding down the street and I mean, I just invited him. And then Moesha like, get out of my house. And he like, Kim, you want to dance? She like, yeah. (laughs) You know, and Moesha didn't get mad at Kim. You know, she was like, that's her friend. She knew Kim had a big heart and was all love and didn't shut anybody out from the receiving end of her love. And Moesha knew her friend loved her. She knew who she really was. Moesha didn't take it personal. And she actually ended up giving Uhaji or Ohaji another chance. And menace to society. Y'all seen menace to society. And I'm sorry if you haven't seen these shows or these movies that I'm talking about. Um, Go ahead and uh, check them out. They are now available on Netflix Um, and Minister Society. Like up front, you know, crazy things happen in the hood. But Kane is made um, an accessory to murder and robbery just hanging out with O-Dog, also known as Lorenz Tate. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just like, now that's crazy, right? Did Kane say... Man, you crazy. I, I can't be dealing with you no more. I don't want to be seen with you. Old dog was even going around showing people the tape, which I think by the end of Minister Society gets into the hands of the police, but we don't get to see how that unfolds. But my point is friendship 
was just to me always portrayed as something that you you just no matter what you compromise you accept you love unconditionally wholeheartedly right you're stuck with me so I learned that friends were your forever family that you love and hold on to them no matter what it might be a compromise but that's love and I also learned that not everyone is your friend from all these social influences So I dealt with people accordingly. And in high school, I had friends, family, homies, associates. And since I'm being honest, I had enemies too. (laughs) Forgive me. I'm grown up Alante now. My enemies were not really mine. I adopted them from my friend. You know, if she don't like you, I don't like you. That mentality. It was like the golden rule in high school back then. I couldn't be friends with you if my friend wasn't your friend or like, Honestly, I remember getting into a fight. It wasn't even my fight, but I got into, I fought somebody for my friend. <laughs> like I was like, "Oh, you don't get to see her, but I see her." Um, we know we got the we got the same class, or we walked down the same hallway. I hit her for you, like crazy, right? <laughs> but that was you know teenage years and everything. But that was friendship to me, and so that's why I. I love like I do and I care like I do and I hold on like I do. And I imagine that in relationships, that's the kind of friendship you have to be with someone for so long. Or, you know, I ask people like, how did y'all make it last so long? Or how do you make it work? Or how do you put up with this? Or how do you put up with that in this relationship? And I can't wait till we get couples on here or people in relationships to talk about it. But I'm sure there are things that their partners do that get on their nerves or that irritate them or bother them or annoy them or whatever it may be. But they're like friends, you know, and it's like, no matter what, I got you. Right. That's love. So in Hard Lessons, this movie came out before I was born. It's a movie with Denzel Washington and um, he he's playing. It's based on a true story. He's playing, I think the man name was John McKenna, a principal at one of the Los Angeles high schools. And I've always been passionate about kids and education and reading and writing and such. So to see Denzel face all these adversities, gang violence, hard work being undone, losing good students, staff members, also known as Mr. Proctor, Lying on how to get lying and trying to get him fired. Kids tried, kids who he tried to save couldn't be saved. His wife left him. And somehow he kept his head above water. He remained professional. He stayed focused. He stayed positive. He shook hands with his haters and wished them the best of luck. I was like, yes, that's how you love. That's how you act. Keep the peace. Stay on track. Don't give up. Don't let haters or adversities win. You got this. And so that's how I go through life. And that's how I'm able to still smile at my haters and, you know, shake their hands and wish them the best of luck, even though I know they can't stand me and been trying to get me fired because I don't always follow the rules or I don't always stick to policy because it's not that I'm a bad person, but sometimes you got to Think outside the box. Sometimes you got to be creative. Sometimes you have to do things a little bit differently to get things done and get things accomplished when you're working with kids and at-risk youth and things like that. 
And I never hurt anybody or anything like that, but that's neither here nor there. Getting getting into the music, if you listen to 90s and early 2000s R&B and hip hop, you hear men idolizing women, courting women, confessing their love and affection and admitting their wrongs and placing women and relationships on the pedestal. I'm, I'm talking about like Jagged Edge, Tevin Campbell, H-Town, Jodeci, Usher, Darnell Jones. I'm sure you can fill in the blank with your favorite love songs from back in the day and you'll get it. I think a lot of times when people are getting married and they pick a song to play at their wedding or their reception, it's from back in the day, right? It's from the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, because that's when like music was like real good. And it wasn't by accident. I'm mostly still friends with every friend I've ever had. I don't have any beef with my ex-boyfriends or people I've talked to. I don't talk bad about people who said bad things about me or did bad things to me. I love all y'all for real. (laughs) Even the ones I have to love from long distance or have no contact with. It's all love. It's natural for me. And to a lot of women, I know we wonder why men today act the way they do. Or don't act a certain way based on what we know or what we've learned. The short answer is, I think anyway, all men are not the same. There are different types of men, just like there are different types of women. I knew how a man was going to have to treat me, talk to me, touch me, cater to me, love me by the music I listened to growing up. And the men in my life, my granddad, my dad, my mom's friends, they also treated me very well and talked to me nice. And for a long time, I expected all men to be that way until I learned how to release those expectations to spare disappointment and simply appreciate when I was approached by men who knew better. Examples. At one point, I expected the man to reach out to me first thing in the morning, respond to every question or Engaging comment, I said, open every door, walk closer to the curb, pay for everything, initiate the dates, have a plan, be a gentleman, show effort consistently. Now, I don't expect it. It's the standard, but I'm not expecting it because I've had my share of special men who don't deliver in those areas. So it's not an automatic expectation anymore. If I get that treatment, great. He's on to something. And if I don't, great. He might be a good friend or those are those good men that get friend zoned because it's like, oh, yeah, he's good. You know, however, um, he's not doing, you know, certain things that are the standard. And that's that's what I need, you know. And so I'm just going to have to put him over here and deal with him like this because. Yeah, I'm not willing to compromise that or be treated differently right now so there's a standard and I'm sticking to that standard I'm learning to compromise don't get me wrong but you can't pay me to settle for less than what I deserve in my opinion being single is much better than being unhappy or in an unfulfilling relationship I went through that phase of I don't have time to teach you how to be a man get off my line and I went through that phase of 
let me mold you into this top tier kind of man for someone else. Because if I'm having to teach you, you aren't for me. In this current phase that I'm in, it's like, um, I'm listening. I'm asking questions and trying to understand. And I say, can I share some other perspectives with you and maybe some other ways that you can approach situations or topics and hope that whether it's a man or a woman, somebody is inspired to do less ghosting, less avoiding or ignoring, less judging or dismissing because someone is not responding or acting the way they want them to. It's perfectly fine for someone to say, I don't want to do that. Or I don't think I need to respond to your voicemails or the last text you sent. And I'm not going to stop doing this or stop doing that. And I don't want to text you. And I don't like multitasking. And that's when you have to decide. What are you willing to compromise, if anything? Is it a standard? Is it an expectation? Simply say something in response with love. Like, I respect that or... I am so sorry for the background. I live by a busy street, y'all, and they just be rude outside. Um, But I respect that or where was I? Um, I understand. I thank you for being honest. Would it help if we scheduled our phone conversation so you don't forget to talk to me? Like we can like schedule because I know you're busy. Um, maybe we can reserve Sundays for us. Or you know what? I guess this is it because I really need that kind of treatment. And if you aren't willing to provide it or compromise on any level, then I don't think this will work romantically. But we can keep in touch, you know, hang out every now and then if you ever have time. But I think we should probably stop dating. You can't force someone to meet all your expectations or meet your standards, at least not rightfully. And you shouldn't want to. We have to learn to make peace with differences. Learn to be able to articulate your standard. Know what expectations are. Learn how to release them. They're killing me out here. So what I was saying before I was really interrupted by the traffic, per usual, that we have to learn to release our expectations because you never know what someone is going through or how they were raised or what they were taught, if they even know how to, de- how to deliver on your expectations. And remember, communication is so important. And what I talked about in the introduction of this podcast, if you listen, uh, unfortunately, people aren't coming with a, a book or a journal or a blueprint with them saying, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Alante. These are my expectations. These are my standards. These are my flaws. Um, This is what you're going to have to deal with. This is what I'm not dealing with. Would you like to move forward? (laughs) You know, it just don't it just don't happen like that. Um, So we have to be patient with each other and try to get those things up front as quick as possible, the flaws, the standards, the expectations, because I know a lot of people will agree with me on this. It's really nothing worse than wasted time. Like, I really be feeling like you knew who you was. 
<laughs> you knew who I like. You knew by looking at you knew just looking at me. You knew I was the type of person who was going to need to be treated, you know, top tier stand this high standard. And I was going to need my doors open and my chairs pulled out and my meals paid for it. Like, you knew that. Why you come up over here? No, <laughs> but what I'm saying is we got to get these things up front out in the open on these on this dating journey. And I can't wait to talk about it and learn what your expectations are, what your standards are. What do you look for? What are you not accepting and things like that? Thank you so much for listening to my take on how expectations and standards have played a role in my life and friendship relationships and work work relationships and everything like that um and i can't wait to get into the love series with you all and um i'm thinking it's going to happen in october but i'm not going to make any promises or have you expecting anything we just going with the flow right now so it's coming and i'm excited if you're listening to this in real time today is the last day of summer 2020 (laughs) what a season I hope you're feeling beautiful as you are. And remember, you are love. Until next time. With love, gratitude, and opulence, I thank you so much for your time, your ears, and your mind. Please send any topic suggestions via Instagram, email, and or reviews. Check the show notes for details. Share more love by recommending this podcast and or hitting subscribe. Peace and blessings. Until next time.